0: At Qualcomm, we believe in staying connected, and you can see us wherever 5G is helping transform telemedicine, supporting remote education, and powering mobile PCs. The Invention Age is here. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash inventionage.
1: Hide their money and is it legal is it illegal so I know that most people here think that banking let's say offshore is illegal and it's just like taxes you can do it legally or you can do it illegally and what we're going to be talking about today is how it's done illegally and what has been happening out there but just for full disclosure I personally do it and we do it legally so there's financial education for the poor, and the financial education for the poor is cut up your credit cards. And for most poor people, that's not a bad idea. But the middle class, the um, financial education is live debt free, live below your means. Pay off your car, pay off your house, pay off your college loan, and just live below your means. And that's very good advice for the middle class. But this is the Rich Dad Radio Show, and you come to hear something different. So you're gonna hear today the biggest game of all. Where do the rich hide their money? Do you think their money is at their local federal credit union? Do you think they're down at the Bank of America branch? Do you think they're with some other little company overseas, you know, your local bank, your next door neighbor bank? Of course not. So today, you're going to be hearing about the biggest, biggest game of all is where do the rich bank? So like I said in full disclosure, I do what we're talking about, and joining me today is Tom Wheelwright, who is my personal advisor on taxes and accounting, and Tom would make sure I did it legally, Right, Tom? Absolutely. Yeah, I guess you Don't do it illegally. But also today, our special guest, and I'm really excited about talking to him, is Brad Birkenfeld, and he's a former international banker with UBS, Union Bank of Switzerland, I believe it stands for, and he turned into the biggest whistleblower in history. In other words, he blew the whistle on his own bank, UBS, you know, United United Bank of Switzerland. So he's going to be telling you how the rich were playing the game, so-called illegally. That's how they hide their money. And the reason Tom is here is the U.S. government doesn't mind if you keep your money overseas. Is that correct?
2: No, of course not. As, uh, as long as you do it legally, you're not trying to avoid taxes, and, uh, and you disclose it, everything's fine. Yeah. So please,
1: all of you listening out there, this is not in your local federal credit union banking stuff. So I want you to listen to this, you come to get educated. But I think what you'll find pretty juicy about this old stuff here is Brad Birkenfeld is the author of Lucifer's Bank, and I just started reading it. And it's better than a porno novel. I mean, it is really so exciting to read because he names names in there. And some of the names he names are, you know, very honest people like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. And the list will go on. So the book is called Lucifer's Bank. If you really want to read an exciting book on where the rich bank, and why they bank that way, and why is it that so many politicians like Miss Clinton and Mr. Obama enter politics as poor little church mice, but leave mega rich. Don't you ever wonder that? Don't you ever wonder that? How come they enter poor, but leave mega rich? So welcome to the program, Mr. Brad Birkenfeld.
3: Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here today and to uh, educate your audience.
1: Thank you. And you're right now broadcasting, oh, you're speaking to us from Malta, right?
3: I'm calling you from Malta. That is correct.
1: And Malta is a very beautiful place. I've never been there, but I've heard it's a great place for taxes. Right, Tom?
2: It it, it is, actually. We use it in tax planning all the time. So, Brad, what happened with you? Uh, You're
1: the biggest whistleblower ever. I mean, you turned in your own bank. You were paid $100 million, is that correct, for blowing the whistle on them? But you had to spend three years in jail um, first.
3: <laughs> well, I um, for your audience, what it was was I exposed the largest and longest-running tax fraud in the world uh, at UBS, where I worked in Geneva, Switzerland. They managed 19,000 accounts and $20 billion in assets. So you can imagine this had been going on for decades, long before I started working there and long before I was even born so this kind of business, this nefarious business where people hide their monies in secret Swiss numbered accounts, was an attractive uh, venue because of two reasons. One, uh, you had political and economic stability, but you also had anonymity, where you would never be disclosed because you had the Swiss bank secrecy ingrained in their constitution.
1: And there was so it, for, this was for a century, for a long time, Swiss have been noted for their privacy, for the rich. Is that what you're saying?
3: Well, that's exactly right. And it really came to bear early on in the uh, 20th century when the Third Reich came to power, Adolf Hitler. He had um, informed anyone um, in Germany if they moved a pfennig, which is a penny, out of the country, they could be shot. And the reason for that was, was they were trying to keep money for the war effort for World War II. That was in 1933. In 1934, in Article 47 of Swiss Constitution, they passed Swiss bank secrecy, meaning they would never disclose the client's identity no matter who asked for the information. Somewhat like attorney Tony Klein privilege or medical privilege. This was financial privilege, and it made sense at the time. It was Yet, a tit for tat, if you will.
1: But didn't the Nazis, the head Nazis, keep a lot of money in Switzerland?
3: Well, this is the, the hypocrisy of the whole thing. You know. Um, The Swiss said, don't invade us or we'll blow up the tunnels and bridges so you can't get down to the North African theater in Italy and we'll quietly wink, wink, nod, nod and be your bankers. So, yeah, there was too cozy a relationship between the Swiss and the Nazis and, uh, you know, they keep trying to divorce themselves from this, but it's, it's really hard to do because the facts speak for themselves.
1: And I think what you're saying in your book, Lucifer's banker, the relationship between the Swiss still goes on with Hillary and Obama.
3: I will say that Hillary uh, was an integral part of a uh, criminal cover-up. And um, I've said it time and time again, and I can justify it not only because I know what I'm talking about, but I also have documents to prove it. And on my website, uh, luciferbanker.com, you can go onto UBS Scandal and look at UBS documents, and there's a CIA cable there in which Hillary Clinton gets exposed by WikiLeaks. Back in 2009. And well, she was what secretary, that shows she, is she
1: was secretary of state at the time.
3: She was appointed secretary of state, and she got involved in an international criminal investigation, which she never should have been involved in. She had no right to do that, but yet she elected to do so. And the problem with this is, is that when you looked at the situation, if you read the one-page, one-and-a-half-page document on my website, it's a CIA cable, Hillary Clinton's political solution to UBS. They closed the company down in Denmark, the Swiss did, and they accepted two Chinese Ugar Guantanamo detainees, which was Obama's bread and butter, to close that down. Two Chinese Ugar, they're sort of a Western Chinese Ugars that were in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, and they took them in, in exchange for settling the UBS case. Well, in this email, and you can see it, it's a CIA cable which they never thought would be exposed, but it's there on my website, and it's classified. Jeez, that's right. She never sent any classified information. Here's a classified email right here that shows in particular detail that says, to bring home the point, she reiterated, the finance minister, that this resolve extended especially to finding a political solution to the UBS case.
1: So did UBS so. happen to donate to the Clinton Foundation by any outside chance
3: well the Swiss gave to the Clinton Foundation during the exact same time she was negotiating this secret deal with the Swiss which in effect gentlemen and for your audience and this is critical to understand 300 million Americans have been cheated by Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and I'll tell you why First and foremost, there was 19,000 accounts, and she only settled for 4,700 account names, not 19,000. That's a 75% failure rate. Second, they fined the bank $780 million. $200 million went to the SEC. 580 million went to the IRS. And they complained they couldn't pay much more. This is a trillion-dollar bank with assets. The problem is that in the deferred prosecution agreement that the bank received was that they said, off of the numbers I provided, $200 million a year in profits were made, and they targeted an eight-year period. So from 2000 to 2007, the window that they targeted, eight years, they made $200 million a year. Quick math will tell you that's $1.6 billion. Well, wait a minute. You only find them 580 Where's the other billion? To make the American taxpayer whole, not even to address fines, penalties, and interest. So then the third point, they signed a secret non-prosecution deal with Martin Lischte. He was the head of all of the Americas, my big boss at the bank. And two weeks later in the Senate, he pled the Fifth Amendment. That's illegal. It's a felony. You have, a, you have a secret non-prosecution agreement, which you didn't tell the Congress about. You allowed him to plead the fifth in front of the Senate. And then two weeks later, on Senate summer recess, in early August of 2008, they let Martin Liesty go back to Switzerland, a free man.
1: Once again, as Robert Kiyosaki of the Rich J.I. Radio Show. Our guest today is Brad Birkenfeld. He is a former international banker with UBS, United Bank of Switzerland and he turned United States whistleblower. He's one of the few Americans inside the insides inner sanctum of UBS. Also is Tom Wheelwright, who is my personal tax advisor. And the subject today is, where do the rich really do their banking? You know, they, is it at their local uh, neighborhood bank or the federal credit union? I mean, where do they bank? Or their teacher's credit union? So what you're hearing about from Brad Birkenfeld, he is the whistleblower, that blew the whistle on UBS. He was, instead of welcoming him with open arms and saying thank you for disclosing the criminal activity that's been going on in UBS since the Nazis, they sent him to jail for three years. And so after he got released, the IRS paid him $100 million. Tom, why did they do that for whistleblowers?
2: Well, that's to encourage whistleblowers. I mean, uh, you know, the, you, they, they actually um, fight it now. And, uh, uh, Brad, I'm, I'm, I'm totally impressed with you and your lawyers that you were able to, you know, get that because that's a, that, that's a big deal.
1: So our special guest today is Brad Breckenfeld. He's a former international banker with UBS. He's one of the few Americans inside the inner sanctum of UBS. And he turned the biggest whistleblower in the United States. Received $104 million for blowing the whistle on the corrupt practices of UBS, United Bank of Switzerland. But he had to spend three years in jail first before he got the money because he blew the whistle on some very, very powerful people. More specifically today, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. And I was talking to Brad. I said, I don't, you are brave men because they take people out for less than that. So before we go on, I mean, being a whistleblower is a pretty gutsy move. So Tom, as a certified public account, what does being a whistleblower mean to you?
2: Well, well, what it really means, and and, and Brad's kind of the king of whistleblowers. I mean, if, <laughs> if you want to put it that way. He, he took the money and ran, but he kept blowing the whistle. Y- you know what? Uh, he, you know, the point of the whistleblower program is to uncover things like UBS, where you have, you have fraud going on, you know the difference between legal and illegal is when you're hide, hiding your money or putting your money offshore is that if you put it offshore with the intent to defraud the U.S. government out of taxes, that's illegal. And if I don't put, do that.
1: No, you don't do I that pay, at all. I pay my taxes.
2: Right. If you if you put it offshore in in order to protect it from creditors, that's totally legal. So the t- two completely different things here. And what Brad blew the whistle on was not the people who were doing it legally but the people who are hiding money and defrauding the U.S. government out of tax revenues. Right, Brad? Well, that's exactly
3: right. And I think there's many people that know about offshore banking legally, which is there's certain hedge funds and investment funds that are very attractive to do offshore, which how, makes sense. How
1: about Apple computers? And then, of course, Apple hides a lot of money well, the,
3: well, that's exactly right. I mean, you have the corporations that have these loopholes that are so excessive that they've uh, been able to uh, take advantage of those loopholes. And people begin to wonder why that's in place. Well, you can go look at the tax code that's written in the Congress and t- start there. But it's, it's such a complex issue. I think when you talk about the personal level, individuals, when you want to put money overseas, a lot of people do it, uh, again, for illegal purposes and legal purposes. But the main thing that we saw was a lot of times people were hiding money not only from just the tax man, but from a business partner or even a spouse. That's a good idea. They just never talk. <laughs>
1: I have a lot of friends who need, need that advice.
3: <laughs> well, it's, it, it was done quite often, I can tell you. And I know. I think the thing is, is that just at UBS, just to give your audience an idea, Geneva, Switzerland, where I worked, was about 200,000 people, and there was 130 banks in that town. So you can imagine there's an enormous amount of wealth, and it's not Swiss money in those banks, it's foreign um, money in the banks. So, You had an amazing system where people were attracted to Switzerland for the secrecy and zero tax as well as political stability. So it worked very well for many, many decades.
1: So, Brad, let me ask this question. Why? Because you're an American. You've made it. You're in the inner sanctum of the Swiss banking system. Envious position. Power position. Your job is only to go, you said, they called you a hunter. You went down and looked for high rich people to move their money into the bank that was your job why did you blow the whistle
3: well what had happened was a colleague brought up to me um, a three-page document that was on our intranet the internal computer system and he had uh, brought it to my attention and i said i had never seen this document which pretty much contradicted everything we were doing meaning going to the united States seeing clients, going in marketing, bringing account opening forms, bringing investment products, and so on and so forth. So when I saw that document, number one, someone had to write the document. Number two, someone was authorized to put it on the Internet, and we were never trained on it. So it was really more of a CYA for the bank and putting the bankers at risk out there. And I challenged it immediately, and I went to my, um, my department head. As a director of the bank, I was. I had a $10 million signature power. And I said, this is wrong. This is something wrong here. You're laying us out to dry, and we're not paid to take risks like this. And they uh, pretty much pushed me away. They They wouldn't even respond to me. So I immediately memorialized it to the head of legal and the head of compliance, and for three months they never answered it. So at that point I resigned from the bank, took documents out of the bank that could justify what I was saying because I know how corporations work. And then um, I blew it to to the board of directors, and that's when the whole thing really got ugly.
2: Sounds, Brad, sounds like that that memo basically was saying, we're going to lay this onto the bankers and not take responsibility as the bank.
3: Precisely correct, and that's exactly what they were doing. So a lot of people said, oh, you just did it to get the money. That's totally incorrect. I started whistleblowing in March of 2005, and the law wasn't passed until December 2006, a year and nine months later. So, you know, I can't predict the future and I didn't certainly know about that law. All I did was I was doing the right thing not only for me, the clients, my colleagues and the shareholders of the bank. Can you imagine that for a moment? If you're a shareholder of this bank and they end up paying millions of dollars, which they paid 780 million dollars fine, which was nothing, and they've paid 50 60, 70 million just in legal fees to defend themselves. Why should the why should the shareholders
1: of the bank pay for that? They knew it was illegal. So once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking to Brad Birkenfeld. He's a former international banker with UBS, turned the United States' biggest whistleblower. So, Tom, any comments you want to make about what Brad is talking about?
2: Well, I, I, I'm curious, Brad. What happened when you uh, disclosed this to the U.S. government? Well, I mean, what was the what was the immediate reaction on their part?
3: Well, the problem was I asked, remember, I could not give up names. I asked for immunity first, and they refused to give me immunity. And then I asked for a simple subpoena, and they refused to give me that at the Department of Justice. They were totally hostile towards me. And I had given up my career. I had blown the whistle internally. I had sent it to the board of directors who called an investigation. Then I finally left the bank and came to America. And they just were so hostile towards me. But the first client, the very first client I gave to the Department of Justice, and the only client I could give them, because he was involved in terrorist financing, it's a book, it's Abdulaziz Aziz Abbas. He had six numbered accounts, and he had $420 million in illegal oil sales for Saddam Hussein. Now, why didn't the DOJ go after this person? He had a million-dollar condo in New York City on the 46th and 47th floor of the Olympic Tower. He had his own private phone line into the boss's office, and they said, We're not interested in, in non-Americans. I said, Well, really, would you be interested in those non-Americans that flew the planes into uh, the World Trade Center? They were non-Americans.
1: So why would the Department of Justice be hostile to you?
3: There's several reasons. It's a great question. First and foremost is if they're such super sleuths, which they claim to be, why don't them cover it? That's the first question. And they failed miserably. The second question is I had to educate them and gave it to them on a platinum platter, and they still screwed it up. The third reason is all of their rich buddies who are in law firms and politics and so forth had accounts, and the CIA had accounts. So what these people were doing were using Switzerland as a piggy bank, and I blew the whole uh, roof off this House party. Since they wouldn't give me a subpoena, I then went to the U.S. Senate. And at the time, the Senate was more than happy to give me a subpoena. Now the DOJ lost control of this. Then I went to the Securities and Exchange Commission. Then I went to the uh, IRS. And all of a sudden, all of these organizations, which really don't work together, competed for taking the credit.
1: So once again, this is Brad Birkenfeld. He's a former international banker with UBS turned United States whistleblower. His new book out is called Lucifer's Banker. But what makes his book, Lucifer's Banker, so powerful is who he blew the whistle on. And is that why you went to jail?
3: Well, put it this way, um, nobody at UBS went to jail except me, the whistleblower, who came forward. They all got secret non-prosecution agreements. But it gets even worse. (laughs) I was the only person to go to jail in the entire financial crisis. There's not one other person that went to jail from a bank.
1: That's I mean I,
0: I So
3: that's where the the amazing. American people should be outraged. You're 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 punishing the guy that gave you the largest and longest running tax fraud in the world and the one guy who goes to jail is the whistleblower and all the other bankers get scot free.
1: But 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 what you're saying too is it's a web, it's not a person.
3: It's it's a very complicated web in which you have very powerful politicians, CEOs, billionaires and I've mentioned some of them, and, and, and ironically, my publisher in America wouldn't publish some names in my book, so I just published my book in Germany, and they published two of the names that I put in there, two billionaires, Jack Manning of Boston Capital in Boston. He's the CEO. He had an account at UBS, as did Leonard Lauder of the Estee Lauder family.
1: So, so let me ask you this. I've asked this question before to you, Brad. Aren't you afraid of your life? I mean, you're, you're stepping on, not toes, you're stepping on Superman's cape.
3: Well, you know, um, it's important to tell the story, number one, and to do the right thing, not only just for the American people, but for the world, and to make sure people understand that this, this kind of um, activity is not going to be tolerated. And whistleblowers should be embraced, not attacked and ridiculed. They should be uh, uh, promoted and, uh, and paid. Because they put so much on at risk, their life, their livelihood, their family, their friends. So why shouldn't we pay people? We pay people for information. If, if there's a wanted uh, person, we offer an award. Why shouldn't we be paying whistleblowers who not only expose a fraud that was unknown, but the taxpayer reaps the benefits, the crime is eradicated, and everybody wins except the bad guys?
1: So our guest today is Brad Birkenfeld. Again, he's a former international banker with UBS, United Bank of Switzerland. And he turned United States biggest whistleblower. He was sent to jail for three years. But he didn't know this, but but because he was a whistleblower, the ultimate gave him $104 million. But he keeps talking. And I keep asking him, I said, are you nuts? I mean, why would you keep talking? I would just shut up and take the money and run. You know, I wouldn't put your, you know, what out there. But anyway, want to find out Why is it you keep talking, and uh, why did you go to jail?
3: Well, I keep talking because I think the American people deserve better. Um, The the political um, network that's working is not working today, and it needs to be exposed. Uh, Just to give you an example, my Senate testimony that I gave, a 10-hour Senate testimony under oath with a stenographer, they refused to give me my own testimony. They won't give it to me. They said you, you can't have your own testimony. I said, What do you mean I can't have my own testimony? It exonerates me. And you know it exonerates me, but they won't give it to me. So that's that's one thing. The second thing is the American people should be outraged because what what I've been doing and I continue to do and I will continue to do it time and time again, is exposing the corrupt Department of Justice for their illegal conduct and cover up in this massive tax case. This is so Alarming. and it should be alarming to every American who listens to your program and says, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, why is he the only one to go to jail, but yet the same government paid him $104 million? Why is it that no other bankers went to jail? Why is it that Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State got involved in an international criminal investigation? Why is it they didn't find the bank properly? Why is it that they didn't get all 19,000 names? The list goes on, gentlemen. And the other problem here is, if you start looking at the political elite that were in the Obama administration, you begin to realize why. First, not only Hillary Clinton's involvement in this and accepting monies to the Clinton Foundation from the Swiss government. It's on my website. You can go check the articles. It's there. It's been proven. And the second thing is this. Eric Holder, in private practice with Covington in Berlin, a big law firm in Washington, his biggest client was UBS.
1: Eric Holder, the Attorney General, who also approved a number of other interesting uh, actions, should I say, like fast and was it Fast and Furious, the shipping guns to the Mexicans?
3: <laughs> and I mean, it. Yeah. I mean,
1: I just can't believe it. it. It violates every so-called ethical, moral sense, and legal sense of how we operate. But you're, what you're saying here, as a whistleblower, is you're saying it's a web at the very top permeating the country and the world. Is that what you're saying?
3: That's exactly what I'm saying. And you can go further, dig a little further. Remember when Tim Geithner was the president of the Federal Reserve.
2: Even right. the
3: deferred prosecution agreement, they had said specifically, we spoke to the president of the Federal Reserve Bank, and they are not going to impose any more fines on UBS. So they undefined them, and Tim Geithner, Turbo Tim, who getting to pay his own taxes, approved that. So then he was made Treasury Secretary by Barack Obama. But this is the worst case of all. When I went to the U.S. Senate, Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations, who held hearings on UBS, and it's on my website. You can see the videos. You can see the reports, the three, 400-page reports, all due to me. At that same time, a certain senator, Senator Barack Obama, never attended one of those hearings. Not one in 2008. Instead, he was filling his pockets with millions of dollars of political campaign contributions from UBS. That's an impeachable offense. He should never have been president of the United States. The very fact that he, was, he violated his oath to the U.S. Constitution, he never attended those hearings, but yet at the same time was taking money from a bank that was under criminal investigation. <laughs> I guess that's the way they do it in Chicago.
1: He's also from Hawaii, and you know, Hawaii is the, in my opinion, the most corrupt state in the whole United States, just the most. I mean, we've had five U.S. Supreme Court justices had to step down for criminal behavior, but they got off, don't worry, they got off. So anyway, I wanna to ask Tom, again, Tom is the my personal tax advisor, he's the author of Tax-Free Wealth, but Tom, what has changed since the this whole thing blew up that Brad Birkenfeld blew the whistle on?
2: Well, uh, seriously, Brad, you did change the world. Uh, you, 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 I'll tell you, you certainly changed the CPA world, uh, my world, because of the disclosures that are now required since this uh, scandal erupted. Um, now, it, it's uh, a couple of things happen. First of all, it's very difficult now for an American to get a bank account overseas because the banks say we have to disclose. They're afraid of us they're absolutely afraid of us. And the second is, is that there are um, very serious reporting requirements. So Everything has to be disclosed to the U.S. government. It's done via tax reporting. And we disclose all those things, okay, for all of our clients. And so as long as you disclose that, and as long as you're not hiding money, in other words, you're not committing tax fraud, it's okay to put your money overseas. There's nothing illegal about putting your money overseas. You just have to disclose, and you have to pay your taxes. But if you do those two things, then you can put all the money you want overseas. So why did you go to jail again, Brad?
3: Even in my case, the judge in my case was forced by the Supreme Court justice to disclose all of his assets where he refused to do it. Justice Rehnquist said, no, you're going to have to show all your assets like every federal judge. And he didn't want to do it. Judge Block, the total zero, lives in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> and uh, you, can, you can understand why people are thinking there's no justice. This is a, this is a, a, um, a gambit of these guys just um, running roughshod over everyone. I'd but agree with The it. reason why I went to jail, they didn't catch me. I came to them. <laughs> I was hiding in the Department of Justice in Washington. I mean, it was insane. I went to the Department of Justice. I went to the Internal Revenue Service. I went to the Securities and Exchange Commission. I went to the U.S. Senate. All of this before I was ever indicted. I was trying to do the right thing. So instead, <laughs> they turned it on me and make me the bad guy because I'm low-hanging fruit. Right. and they let the biggest bank in the world walk with the most criminal conduct you've ever witnessed in your life, and it's global, gentlemen.
1: Right, so this is my question. Has anything really changed? Has that changed in other parts of the world? The United States is pretty tough on it, but do other countries still allow people, to, criminals to hide money?
3: Well, um, I would say that you know the CIA has been known to hide monies in Switzerland for years, just go back to Iran-Contra when General Secord sent $10 million to the wrong bank account, and they wouldn't give it back. <laughs> I mean, this is laughable. And, and you think about the, the, the insanity of the way in which drug money from the CIA has laundered itself through Switzerland. And I'll give you a better example, more recent Remember when Barack Obama decided to send $1.4 billion to Iran? Right. Well, that was a brilliant move. I know. And uh, because, he's, because he's so intelligent on foreign policy, that's why he did such a wonderful job. Um, he sent $1.5 billion in cash on a private jet from Geneva, Switzerland, to Tehran. Now, does the United <coughs> States government have bank accounts in Geneva? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's a good question. Where would the money come from? Yeah, Brad, the reason I'm yeah, laughing,
1: <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is that uh, when I was a young Marine pilot, I was asked to fly for the CIA, and starting pay was eighty-five thousand a year, plus a three hundred thousand dollar bonus for running drugs. And when I tell people, well, when I tell people that, they say you're lying. I say, okay, I'm lying. Why would I lie? You know. And when that exactly. Puff got shot down you know, for the Iran Contra and all that, that was all drug money going for the CIA. And M- Americans think, no, we would never do that. And so I'm glad you said it because I've been saying it for so long that I look like a liar now. Anyway, thank you.
3: <laughs> no, no, no. Not only aren't you a liar, but I can tell you another thing is that when you finish reading my book and hopefully your audience will pick up the book to read it. I think it's it's a, a very educational book about uh, the corruption in the biggest banks and biggest governments of the world. But the thing is this, Robert, is that what you've got here is in my book, there was a gentleman I met in prison named Bill Hillard, and he told me, without giving too much away, that he was hired to kill POWs if they escaped. Right. Because the reason was the CIA and the KGB were at each other's throats and they knew what each other was doing, and instead of getting the POWs out... They wanted to kill them because otherwise they'd come out and say they're running drugs and not trying to release us. Right. Now, people might say that's a crazy story. Well, go read the book, Kiss the Boys Goodbye. This book, Casino Man in the book was the gentleman I met in prison, Bill Hillard, with two of his buddies from Delta Force in Vietnam. And they were hired to kill POW's escape. And one POW did escape. It got to Thailand. Go read it in the book. He
1: got indicted for treason. I know what you're talking about, Brad. I know, you know, when people laugh, I mean, people talk about water waterboarding. That was light, lightweight, that we had to do. But anyway, I want to thank you, Brad. The book is Lucifer's Banker. Again, please do as Brad requests. He's risking his life to disclose it all in a book. And if you want to keep your eyes and ears and mouth shut, then don't read the book. But if you really want to find out what's going on, And why, you know, the rich don't bank at your local federal credit union, this is the book to read. Please listen to this program again and then share it with friends and family and business associates. It's time we wake up, ladies and gentlemen. So before we go, we're going to ask Robert and we give Tom one quick question on taxes.
0: Our first question today, Robert, comes from James in Denver. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He says, "I've recently heard about using self-directed IRAs to purchase rental properties. It sounds too good to be true. Is there a catch? Is any retirement account safe in a collapse? IRAs versus 401ks?"
1: I, 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 Again, okay, I'm glad Tom is here because I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't. You know, look, Donald Trump doesn't have a 401k or an IRA. You see, the, the reason most people are poor, they're doing what poor middle class people do. So the reason I'm glad you're listening to the Rich Dad Radio Program is you'll find out that's not what we do. So I have no idea what you're talking about, but Tom might. Tom, what's your answer to that?
2: So this is the dumbest idea ever, okay, just for the record, to actually invest in a tax shelter inside an IRA, which will actually cause you to pay tax on your real estate. So... It's a bad idea, but Robert's exactly right. The, the rich don't use IRAs, 401Ks, pension plans. What the rich use is they use what we call a non-qualified plan. If you hear something called a qualified plan, which is an IRA, 401K pension plan, it means that the government is controlling it. Okay, that's what it means. And so a non-qualified means the government doesn't control it. So take your money out. If you're going to invest in real estate, don't leave it in an IRA. Pay the 10% penalty. It's no big deal. And then invest in real estate because what you lose <laughs> When you invest inside an IRA, you lose the debt, which is one of the reasons we invest in real estate, and you lose the tax benefits. So, you know, why would you do it?
1: So once again, what Tom is talking about, invest through things, an entity like an S corporation, LLC, and things like that, but be professional. Be bigger than the poor and middle class out there. I don't have an IRA, Tom doesn't have an IRA, Trump doesn't have a 401k, you gotta ask yourself why.
2: No, Robert, Robert pays very little in tax. Um, Ken McElroy, is a real estate investor, pays very little in tax. And the reason they do is because they don't invest through an IRA. If they invest through an IRA, they pay huge taxes.
1: And I hate to, hate to be the bad news for that, but if you want to live debt-free and uh, pay a lot of tax, don't follow Rich Dad advice. That's but Tom right. has to run. He's got another program to run to. But So thanks, Tom. It was an hey. interesting program, oh, wasn't it? Th-
2: Absolutely fascinating. I mean, that uh, very, very interesting story, and, and literally, Brad changed the world. Right, he did.
1: And so, just to know that Tom, I do the same thing, but I do it legally through Tom. Thank you, Tom.
2: Thank you. So,
0: Melissa, what's the next question? Our next question, Robert, comes from James in Brooklyn, New York. Favorite book: Rich Dad Guide to Investing. He says, Robert, I was talking to my uncle the other day, who works for a futures trading company, and was telling him about what you guys say about the common mutual funds and four hundred one k plans. His response to me was that you need to learn how to invest by actually investing and not doing a bunch of research. So is opening an account with mutual funds a good idea for a 19-year-old aspiring to be financially free?
1: That's a good question, and I think your uncle has very good advice for you, but that's not what the rich do. I'm really doing my best to tell you, I don't have a 401k, I don't have an IRA, I have no mutual funds, I have no ETFs, and I have no stocks and bonds. So the question to you would be, well, what the heck do we do? Just remember, President Trump does not have a 401K. The question is, what does he do? And that's why we have the Rich Dad Radio Show. That's why we have people like Tom Wheelwright, his book his book's Tax-Free Wealth. That's why we have Ken McElroy on real estate. That's why we have Andy Tanner on 401 Chaos, why that's the worst possible investment strategy you could have. And also why we, and this is why we also also have Garrett Sutton, on asset protection. You know, the reason I'm not in this country is for asset protection. I do it legally. Because the more successful you become in this country, the more people will sue you through a corrupt judicial system. All you have to do is have money and somebody can say, you did this and I can sue you. I want everything you've got. So look, look sports fans, you can listen to those guys who say, cut up your credit cards. And that's good advice for most people who are not incompetent. Second is Live debt Free. And that's really good for most middle class and they should have a 401k and IRA and all this. But this is the Rich Dad radio program. It's about investing in you so you don't have to give your money over to somebody else who doesn't has no idea what they're talking about. So being 19, you're fine. I'll just leave you one more thing. All you have to do is watch television. And you'll see the people that advertise the most on television, what to do with your money, are the very people that Brad Birkenfeld was talking about. Lucifer's bankers. The bankers are still not in jail. They're still telling you to give them their money and they're still never gonna go to jail because like he talked about Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, they're all part of this giant web of Crony capitalism. So the Rich Dad radio program is here for you to listen to, but if you just sit there and open your 401k and IRA and ETFs, have a good life, but that's not what we do. Next question,
0: Melissa. Our next question comes from Sam in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It says, How do I find super smart accountants and financial advisors in my area? Do you, Robert, have a Rich Dad test? Look, Those only,
1: that's like asking me, how can I find the perfect date or the perfect wife? Maybe I should go to match.com. I mean, maybe that's what you should do, really. But the only way you're gonna know if you have a good accountant or attorney and all that is you kiss a lot of frogs. You make a lot of mistakes. You know, that's how you learn. And you, you somehow think that taking a test will answer that question. That's what stupid school teachers tell you to do. Take the test, but that's, the answer isn't the test. The answer is, what do you know? What can you prove? Show me your financial statement. Show me the money. So that's why we have the Rich Dad program. We had, a, we had another person last last program.
0: What she wanted me to tell her? What did she want me to tell her? Uh, oh, I think she, I think she was asking. Uh, oh,
1: how to get a raise?
0: Yes. How to get
1: a raise? I mean. I couldn't believe it. I said, and we were discussing this book by an, an um, FBI negotiator, I said, read the book so you'll learn how to get what you want through negotiation. No, she just wants me to tell her how to get a raise. I mean, that is a peasant's idea. That is, you know, you just one step over a slave at that point. So really, it's time to get educated. Just don't ask me to tell you what to do. Please listen, you guys. This is not, you know, live below your means show. That's why this show is so important today, and I'm glad Rod, I'm glad Brad Birkenfeld was on the program. It's called Lucifer's Banker. Understand, it is legal if you do it legally.
0: So, next question, Melissa. Okay, our final question today, Robert, is from Ethan in Dallas, Texas. Rich Dad Guide to Investing. He says, Robert, how do you combat corruption in our institutions? Do you think corruption will continue to increase?
1: corruption. Are you kidding me? The whole system's corrupt. I mean, that's why Donald Trump went there to drain the swamp, Un- unfortunately. You know, he is dealing with the most corrupt people on earth. Exactly as Bradley Birkenfeld said, the richest guys on are still on television. They're still out there advertising to turn their money over to them and all this. Look at Wells Fargo. Just two guys have to return $78 million. Wells Fargo paid these two guys $78 million. How much money does a banker make that they have to pay back $78 million? How corrupt are they? So if you understand that our banking system, our corporate system, our judicial system is full of corruption, it's just rife right now. Just rife. Everybody's on the take. If you know that, that's why we have Rich Dad Advisors. That's why we have the Rich Dad Radio Show. Your real job is to find your personal team. There's a new book called called, called uh, Sunny Skies and Shady Characters. It's about Hawaii, how corrupt Hawaii is. The pe- the great thing about this book is written by a advertiser reporter, and he names names. He names the same names my father mentioned when he ran for Lieutenant Governor of Hawaii. My father's, this is in the 70s, my father said to me, I can't stand it anymore. The corruption in Hawaii is so rampant, I can no longer sit here and take it. So he ran against his boss. And in the book, uh, S- Sunny Skies and Shady Characters, the reporter says, Governor Ariyoshi, who my father ran against, his best friend was Larry May Howe. That's like saying the biggest criminal in Hawaii. And people got taken out all the time in Hawaii. Bodies floated. That's how corrupt Hawaii is. That's why Hawaii right now is 100% democratic. And the reason is corruption is rampant. there. So please open your eyes, listen, read, study. But the most important thing is find your own personal team of advisors you trust. Like I trust Tom implicitly. He also knows I would never do anything illegally. If Mike Sullivan, who is the CEO of our company, he will never let me do anything illegally.